It's Series 2, Episode 5. In this episode, I talk to Nathan Clark from one of Leeds' great institutions, the Brudenell Social Club, talking about gigs and events and how the COVID crisis has really hit the industry hard. I hear some of the amazing people Nathan has met and how ingrained in the music industry he is. Thanks for being a fab listener, and don't forget to subscribe. Welcome to the Johnny Ross Audio Experience. I'm Johnny Ross, founder and digital marketing strategist of Fleet Marketing. Each podcast, I'll be bringing you an expert to inspire you, to give you some great business growth takeaways, and to get you thinking about marketing and the bigger picture of how businesses can improve, adapt, and grow. I look forward to sharing this with you on each podcast. So here we go. Hi, and welcome to another live Q&A with me, Johnny Ross from Fleet Marketing. Uh, today, we've got Nathan Clark from the Brudenell Social Club. Fab to have you here. Thanks for joining us, Nathan. No worries. Great to see you. Yeah. Um, so um, we, we're we live on LinkedIn, we're live on Facebook, and we're live on YouTube. Uh, feel free to uh, check us out on our group, the Facebook Coronavirus Yorkshire Business Support Group. Uh, and uh, yeah, as I said, this is another one of our live Q&A. So um, Nathan, you've been very busy during COVID. Um, you have been trying to, well, you've been part of this uh, this funding for the the, uh, the art sector. Um, tell, us, uh, tell us all about this. Um, uh... I sit across several bodies or a member associations, uh, particularly in the music sector. So I sit on the board of the Association of Independent Promoters, um, and we're also one of the core venues that were, were at the start of the Music Venue Trust. So we have a lot of dialogue within those groups, but across um, those, they kind of impinge and, and, and work together with uh, Department of Culture, Media and Sport and um, the restart to live events. And we've been consulted on several other aspects of it. And then when you look at some of the dialogue with UK Hospitality and the Nighttime Industries Association, Michael Kildare, um, it's it's been a, a, a long journey to getting back to some roadmap, as the government might call it, and finding out where we can go, but also fighting on behalf of um, venues, promoters, and wider arcs. Um, sorry, my time went for a second there. Um, Nathan, I also wanted to ask you, um, where are you? You're, you're, you were born in Leeds, weren't you? Is that right? I was, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, I, I was born not too far from the Broodnell. Um, um, how many years have you been uh, running it now? Oh, personally, about 15, 17, but I was doing it a little bit before that because my father got unwell. So I I was doing that a little bit before that. Um, So coming up to around 20 years, I mean, my family's been involved here for, gosh, 25 plus years. I mean, it's 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 just a total Leeds institution. It's a, a fabulous place, uh, and it's great. You run it as a, a pretty much as a social enterprise. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of the the the, the 
income that comes in goes back into renovation, building blocks. So if you look at the, you know, the cost on building a, a what is the UK's only purpose-built venue in the UK in the last 25 plus years, which is a community room built onto the Broodnell. The reinvestment there that we saved up, there was no bank loans, no no public support, no, no Arts Council funding. Um, that was saved through years of prudent, you know, business planning and went into a project that will never, ever return its its input but went for the better of the building because it provided a disabled toilet a new toilet block a room that can be used for several other things you know it's being used for films from the high park picture house to a community clothes store to record fairs not just music it's given us um you know an overall kind of different perspective on what we can offer Uh, and you've had some I mean, is it, have you had 10,000 performances? Is that what you were saying? We were talking earlier. Is that right? I was saying 10,000 artists in the last five years. Uh, we have 10,000 over... artists in the last five years. Yeah. So if, That's if, you crazy. Look at, if you look at it and you go, you know, there's over 500 events a year. Some of those are all dayers that might have, you know, if you look at live at Leeds, where you've got two rooms running and you've got what? 12 bands in each room that's 24 bands in a day or artists and you go like some of the bands have got six people in some are a solo or you might go okay when we've got two nights where you've got two events on and and there's a solo in one room and a 12-piece band in another and then a support act you look at the 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 breadth of um people's genres talent that comes through one building it's 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 completely mind-boggling you know and and it isn't set and pigeonholed in one genre or one place and then there's the days where we do the made in music mini gigs for kids on a sunday working with uh that organization and that'll roll in at four uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning and go through till four o'clock and then we'll have an artist coming at four o'clock and you'll have a gig at the night so you're doing two or three different things in a day you know it's it, it's crazy. Uh, for people that are watching, if you've got questions for Nathan, please do ask. And if you're watching this on uh, replay, please use hashtag replay so that uh, I know, and that would be really helpful. Um, Nathan, you've the Bridnell Social Club has been through some serious ups and downs over the years. Uh, everything from uh, noise complaints to the smoking ban to to license changes. Uh, COVID uh, can't have been any more difficult. It's provided a different challenge. Is 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 the is the emphasis? I think we have to look at the Brunel as saying yes. We're very lucky in the in the in the land that it has the availability of outside space in the car park. What opportunities is presented as currently being able to utilise a car park for outside areas for socially distanced a massive socially distanced pub essentially. Um, but when your income goes from everything to zero in a day and you know you're told don't go to to pubs theaters music venues and everything else the public narrative and then it's also looking at the future of how you build trust with your audience again and the followers and what we can do to get there it's 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 not only the instant challenges of finance that come into it it's the challenges of 
building a relationship, keeping an affinity with your audience. How can we also, not just that, but realize that our space is important to the artists that, that see it as their incubator? How can we utilize our platform to support art direction and communities like the Social Distancing Club t-shirts and brands that we did and raised funds for artists in the local community? So it's about raising and realizing that we're not one isolated cog that needs to look after itself as a as, as a as a shop or a business that we're actually part of a much bigger ecosystem that we can play our part in affecting everyone and that everyone affects us and hopefully that transition can feed into like this living thing that, that we just feel we've got a response a social responsibility there as well to, to do that so as well as looking at uh, the best practice and overall of, of the music industry, the art side of it, the sector package. What can we f do for our immediate community here? And and when you look at it and you've got a noise pond playing that might stop live music, that isn't going to stop you generating income as a pub necessarily. But when you've not been able to uh, earn and, and the income stream is zero, you have to be very flexible then of how you can look to the future and plan and, and prudency and, and business planning and think about how are we going to work together with various other businesses um, to support each other in the long term. You, um, I, I want to dive into a couple of questions that people m must want to ask you. Or you must I get asked all the time. Uh, uh, and that, but I, I really want to come back to this community and the the much wider live music ecosystem, etc. But you must have met some amazing people. Um, who who are the standouts? Who uh, who are the bands that you know you've made a big difference to? Um, who are the uh, who are the 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 really amazing? You know, there must be so many. Who are the standouts that you've that you've met? It's it's difficult because. Uh, personally, I, I don't get phased by by uh, people that come in. I think I think that there's a, a good relationship in understanding what they're coming to, and and where it is, and that everybody from the local artist will get treated in the same way as Johnny Marr. And and it's great to meet Johnny Marr and and his his support and affinity to the venue and how much he enjoyed it. But it's also great to see. If you, if you look at it and take someone like the Cribs, who 15 years ago from Wakefield were coming and playing on local all dayers and, and grew and we did their first album launch and their second album launch and they've come back to support us several times. And there's a personal relationship there and you're proud that they have that and they have that feeling of connection there. But that, you know, the guy who does their artwork, Nick Scott, still keeps in touch. The people who do their mastering and recording at Greenmount Studios in Armley are still regulars. So it's not just about the artist, it's about the whole, you know, the artist tour manager that keeps coming through. And I think you build the relationships with everyone in the teams and the, and like I say, in the, in the whole kind of uh, music industry, whether it be the agent. So, so yeah, I don't think there's an initial person. I've got my personal music favorites where I'd go, you know, John Dwyer from the OCs, uh, Alan from Low, um, there's just amazing people that come through the doors. There's too many to mention when Jonathan Rickman come from the Modern Lovers. Wonderful people, you know, and everyone across the board from even Graham 
Samson from the Smives, the Smith Tribute Band. He's he's musical influence. And then people in record labels, uh, Simon Raymond, who runs Bella Union, member of the Cockatoo Twins. Uh, uh, Amazing that we're going to work with them on distance TV program that we're looking at the artists he's doing. Tim Burgess, what a great guy, you know, has done. Look at his Tim's tweets. Uh, the twins' Twitter listening parties that have uh, existed over COVID and how he's interacted people back with their favourite albums. Um, you know, Frightened Rabbit guys and the, and the and the projects they've put up about mental health. It, it's you know tiny changes. I think that we're a venue do, that doesn't want people to come in, and we don't just want people to come in. Not only venue. That's why public managers, crew, we want to build a relationship with them. And I think that that's what we feel it's about, like um, relationships rather than just pure economics, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it really does. And and, and, and that takes us right nicely back to the community. So so uh, because, you know, it's very much from my point of view uh, or, or the way I see it described as, a, as very much a social enterprise, very much a, a supporting the community. Uh, what are the some of the projects that you've been working on uh, during COVID with the community? And, and what are the things that you can see, the sort of things that you started that you can see really taking off? Um, can you give us some examples? I mean, the, the the easiest one to go to was was the social distancing club, the Broodnell Social. I mean, it, it, you know, we, we're sat in front of one of uh, the daily briefings, and you're thinking to yourself, and all you're seeing is social distancing, social distancing, and you put that in, and you're like, "Oh, social club," and it and it just clicked, as in like, "Oh, we should do a Broodnell Social Club distancing club." Can we do a T-shirt from it? Can we build a TV channel from it? Can we do a range of other things that might talks and other things that might still keep us relevant as a venue with our community? And, you know, the T-shirt idea was, oh, let's build a T-shirt. Actually, let's build four T-shirts. Let's get four different artists that are connected with a venue that might, you know, two established kind of artists, two that are very new that we can link and give a profile and a platform to, and let's give all the income back to them who are in need of support that aren't earning right now, that are independent artists where they would have done artworks for bands, music or brands that suddenly have no money that can't do that. So how can we, as a, as a venue, use our platform and social media reach that can do them and at the same time give a platform not only for them to earn but for their artistry to get some new followers and spread their own artist work wider and you know the support not to us but to the whole the artist to us to everyone from the public was massive because i think they believed in the aims of it that it was going direct to the artist it was buying what effectively was really good design as well really nice and easy something at a, a touchable price point that, that people could do but then obviously we like i say we took that on and we built the tv channel and started to archive things like the talk with John Keenan, uh, Leeds Music Celebrity, who's probably the most influential promoter in the last 40 years of Leeds Music, who, you know, the wedding present wouldn't have been where they were. Gang of Four wouldn't have been where they were. You know, he, he's the man that brought U2 to Leeds. He's the man that brought uh, the Futurama Festival. Joy Division really got their mark 
when they played on the same bill as Cabaret Voltaire, Gang of Four, with, you know, Mekons and other things like that, where, where the same audience, where the goth scene, Sisters of Mercy, he run the F Club uh, in Leeds, where Sisters of Mercy and all the other background of music come from. And I think that that's something that, that that we wanted to try and get some 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 level of archive within it so that's something that touches us as a music venue but needed to be done and we thought people would be interested in that so it's not just about that other projects we've done um we've got involved with the big leads recycle around uh, uh lead student where the moving day would be and and they move out and and take it as as recycle points for their unwanted items be it clothing electrical equipment that they go to one of them we were a storage center for that for a for a while during covid because a lot of the council places couldn't be done or were repurposed into other things so we worked as a community venue towards that we've also worked with the black lives matters leads group we helped them do on this very platform that you're using now we helped them do the social distance protest um, and we gave them the toolbox and, and then enabled them to learn about doing social distanced communication. Um, there's there's several different things. And then beyond that, you know, working on a political level for the music kind of package and with our own staff, you know, keeping them on furlough, bringing them back slowly, regenerating as a pub, a big social distance pub. And how can we work within the guidelines safely to do that? Uh, 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 Tourmaline Films, Andy uh, has asked a question. Uh, what marketing objective has, has been your priority during these times? What's, your, what's been your marketing objective? I think, I think, essentially, when we take it on a, a on a really basic level, it's been making sure that the that the Broodnell um, and the artists and the ones that that we have an affinity with. Um, remain relevant at this time that they're not forgotten and that we can give some some level of interest back and of what we're doing whether it be local artist playlists on spotify or or wider national playlists what's new what's coming out from artists what you know what's what when is the new fontaine's dc album coming out how can this be great for you to listen to so suggestions musically but also you know what's going on in Leeds. So we will have put up a weekly what's on list, like uh, the quiz, Mick Artistics quiz today or tomorrow. We will talk about, you know, what's happening at Sheaf Street, their events going on, what's happening with Music Leeds or what's happening with uh, at the West Yorkshire Playhouse or the Royal Albert Home films that have, uh, that have come on. Um, I think we've wanted to do a much wider kind of range of things that have been relevant so that, it's about us connecting with other businesses, but essentially us remaining relevant in this period where we cannot be relevant because we haven't got any footfall. We were closed. How do we maintain that that level of communication uh, via all levels of social media and and other words of mouth? You know. And and uh, and has the TV channel worked? Do you think? Because have you seen engagement? Oh, I mean, you know, you look on there and you look at the. Uh, Kaiser Chiefs B-side one that that had you know ten thousand people view it in over a day, um, not just because it's the Kaiser Chiefs, but because it went out like you're doing now over several platforms. So someone who didn't necessarily want to sign up to Facebook or another social media 
could watch it on YouTube where you didn't have to sign up to it and could be archived on that. And that's something that people can reference back to and can be viewed more. Um, I think that, yes, they definitely have. And we wanted to range that event, not just around, like I say, archiving and talking with John Keenan about the history of Leeds, but around things that are going on now. So like the Kaiser's B-sides and they previewed a new song that had never been heard before there. And that's all because of our relationship with them as a local band and not just a local band, but them as local constituents and, and residents. You know, Simon lives up the road. Whitey lives around the corner. It, it, it's like it's keeping our whole um, uh, 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 area together and supporting one another. So, yes, the relevance has been most important. That's what it's been for us as uh if you want to talk at a crude level as a brand. Yeah. I mean, uh, you mentioned Kaiser Chiefs. They they did a secret gig with you, didn't they? And uh, as did Franz Ferdinand. Uh, are you allowed to tell us any secret gigs, gigs that might be coming up next year? I don't know. Uh, at the moment, it's really impossible to do that. There's going to be a, a different project launched called Back to Their Roots. That isn't through, isn't directly us. It's part of uh, Music Venue Trust and Band on the Wall and some other agencies that are talking about artists going back um, to venues to play one-off shows and other things. And we're not saying it's necessarily here, but what I'd love to see is all venues being able to take part. So not only in Leeds, across the UK, where, um, you know, us that are in a, in a, in a privileged position with a venue centre can give back to others as well. So we will champion all venues on that. And I think that's quite important right now, um, certainly for the community aspect. If there's any time that we should realise uh, supporting one another, it's through this period. Yeah. So, yes, there are projects going on, but, but no one can set the deadlines because we don't essentially know when or, or, or how that can be, does, how, does it, how it, it can it... look. Does a socially distanced live gig work? No, is the easy answer. And I can tell you now, on this morning, there was um, the government came out when they talked about the August the 1st reopening date. Um, they've done two or three pilot shows, but they've all occurred in really large orchestra, um, one at the Royal Albert Hall. Uh, that doesn't relate to... Where you've got a seated venues. audience. <laughs> oh yeah or, or you know where the ticket price what would the ticket price be on something like that you know and and when you look at it and break it down it's just like this does not work why would you want to be an artist that plays to 40 people in a 400 cap venue we're all stood apart that there's no atmosphere it's sterile just because you want to play it doesn't mean it can work and then it, economically it does not work because the venue does not get the backing and how we so so essentially no it doesn't work. The guidance where it's talking about law doesn't work for live music because it's got to be at a certain area. And then um, it's basically for question and answer, spoken word, uh, different that types of, of event that are allowed to open cinemas. You know, that's where the guidance goes to. Can we show a film? Is it going to get people transmitted? So the guidance is all about the transmission of aerosols from your mouth, mouth and nose. That's where the dangerous points are. So within that, that's why it's all about live music doesn't because it raises the voices, it encourages the pillars of, of music, which would be, you know, dancing, socialising, getting close to each other, watching the band, singing along. They're the things that essentially go against 
what are the pillars of what they're trying to stop with COVID. So live music is one of the biggest, is, was the first to go and will be one of the last to come back. So in the arts sector, it needs more of a specific um, directive to it than other art forms, maybe. I'm, I'm guessing uh, Leeds United becoming champions uh, was also a uh, not helpful for COVID. Um, I, I think maybe not, but I, I'm a big. I mean, I sit here with a, with a square ball. Uh, Leeds United support. I know it's why it's why I've asked the question. <laughs> and and but but what I see about is, you know, t- take out a lot of others and look at it on the mental health side of it for the city. It's given a huge raise of, of lift to the city. And, you know, take out of whatever may have done distant-wise in, in the city centre, look at what this impact will have over the next two to three to four to five years on the city, what it will bring in, not just economically, but the views and the eyes of the world back to Leeds as a city. How will it be viewed and the and the overall kind of euphoria that that's created? I think that you cannot, you know where in the dark times of people, uh, it, it really needed something like that for, for, for our city. And I think that as much as there, we can we can talk about other aspects, I think that it's a, a massive boost to everybody. Yeah. And, 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 I, and if you want to talk about have... marketing of it, it's the perfect opportunity for everyone in the city to embrace it and move across and, and see, you know, certainly as, as, a, as a football fan, um, I, I'm I'm all for I'm all for embracing every bit of marketing opportunity that we can get from this. Yeah, I, I'm, you must have been absolutely chuffed this week. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a, little, a, it's a week to go into it. It's a week long party, you know, uh, uh, promoted Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Or was it promoted Thursday? Was it win up win at Barnsley promotion Thursday? No, win at Barnsley Thursday. Uh, Promoted Friday, champion Saturday, play against Derby, your, your enemy from last year on Sunday, big party, lifting the cup tonight. It, it's like the, the story goes on. You know, yesterday the Adidas kick deal comes in. There's a marketing point to go from, from Leeds United, you know. And I really love the marketing, if we if we talk on that. The, I really love the, the marketing that Leeds did, where they didn't go out just on a, on a hole with it. Who did they go to? They went to... Burley Banksy, they got him to put it and, and paint on the wall, the whole video side of it. That is where the club, I feel, has, 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 has on a marketing point, connected the roots and the people to the club. And that's what I see certainly reflects in our business too. Yeah, yeah. Um, get, you talked about the uh, the sector support package, where 1.57 billion, um, but you feel quite uh, strongly about this uh, with regard to, you know, there's some good here, but at the same time, uh, it doesn't really home in enough on uh, music and live music. Um, you know, and you're also talking about how, how is live music still mainstream or uh, of other things taken over? Just just talk to me a, a bit about that. I know there's two quite different subjects there, but they, they intermingle. Um. We, we could talk about this for about five hours. If, if we, <laughs> know, we could write a we could write a, a PhD on it. Um, I, I think okay. So look at the art sector package in, in in first. It's very competitive. Does it go 
a long way to supporting everybody. I'm not sure. There are gaps in there for the self-employed, the crew and everyone else that don't necessarily will be touched because this might go to organisations. Um, we as a, a, me sitting on the board of AIP and being, being very much active within Music Venue Trust and posting out the letter for the, for the open letter to the government for support and then pushing the Let Us Play, Let The Music Play campaign. There's going to be another campaign on Let Us Dance tomorrow. Those campaigns aren't about saying, let us play music right now. Those campaigns about saying, let us play music when it is safe and responsible to do so in an environment that everyone feels comfortable in. And if we're going to protect music and art and other things, then we need some kind of bridging period and support. Whether that not isn't just financial, it can be other ways that the, the government can do that via licensing, via reform, via uh, rateable cuts towards the art sector via the VAT cut towards the art sector. Um, so we had different asks as a sector towards that. Um, we achieved some of those asks, but we also believe that the mechanisms that go in, in with that and the and the makeup of the of the of the focus towards high art forms and other things needs to be reevaluated and re-looked at um, and that goes on to the point where you were talking about uh, music in a focus because I think that you know what typically where where 25 years ago 30 years ago I was saying you know 30 years ago channel 5 come around 25 years ago digital tv sky tv come on it was b sky b and 30 years ago and whatever else and 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 you know it was what 22 23 20 years ago that that the premier league started and you look at on-demand te television coming and then you look at the increased funnel of on-demand entertainment and how we can communicate with each other you know myspace has been dead what a couple of years now and and you look at the, the move on from myspace to facebook to instagram to tiktok to where we are now where how we're even speaking to each other and communicating with everyone in the, in the wider world we'd have had to come and meet in a certain place, film this, get this out there, put that out on a channel that people have had to subscribe to and whatever else. We can do it at the flick of a switch on a laptop or on a phone. That doesn't encourage people the need to go out and have social interaction. As humans, we are social beings. And if that funnels open much wider on demand, then music as an economic sphere and people going out to watch that new band that they'd never heard of becomes more difficult. Um, to encourage people to go to and as the funnel has opened up that's why you've seen digital print magazines you know top of the pops ended because you could listen to anything you wanted uh, the NME ended in print uh, Q magazine only yeah, this week yeah I, I should have talked about that Q magazine I mean that's a huge thing isn't it the, it the... is but that's a, that's a consequence of technological development because we can find out we don't need to find Q magazine to find out what our latest band Fontaine's DC no. are doing and what's releasing and what the album review is. We can go on to Fontaine's DC website, uh, see what they're doing today on their Instagram. We can find out what, what things are. The instant connectivity to you and the next person is doing, is doing that. So the funnel, when you look at it, of need where where having to come out and i think that you know where people look at the smoking ban for pubs 
And and I think that's too a simplistic answer. I think that you look at it in that in relation to technological development that means that you can go home and watch Netflix. I mean, Netflix hasn't been around forever, but we've got Netflix, Amazon Prime, Now TV, you know, the BritBox and everything else that, that is suddenly just opened up the world of, of you personally connecting and finding your own entertainment that you had to go out to the theatre, to a comedy club, to the Broodnell Social Club, to everywhere else to, to maintain that level of connectivity to an artist or, a, or, or a, a, some kind of entertainment. And that has put, this is where I think the gap between the high art forms that were set up 20, 25 years ago with Arts Council and the funding mechanisms there, um, that that doesn't necessarily work in a modern world and it needs to be reevaluated not only on a local level from councils but on a national level and on an international level of how we're going to maintain you know the the melting pot of culture and how we're going to protect that and how we're not only going to protect it but we're going to enable that to be entrepreneurial keep people who are really passionate about that in the scene and give them the um, areas to work to, to kind of, uh, um, where is the tomorrow going to come from would be the question. And if, if only the high art farms, um, you know, the Royal Opera House that gets £96 million every five years and subsidised by 250000 a week, where are the grassroots that actually find the lighting engineer that works there, the makeup artist that works behind the bar at the Brudenell Social Club, that then went on tour to be uh, a makeup artist for the Lion King or something like that while they were supported through university and, and, and college. Those, those things that come through grassroots venues, promoters and artists, unless it's re-evaluated, then not only, yes, saving the crown jewels of high art is important, but the infrastructure behind it will start to fall apart. The festivals, where the crew aren't supported, right now in their positions to get to the next stage of 2021 festivals if they don't happen the crew have to go out and find other jobs and if you lose them you're never going to get them back so you know some of the crews besides the 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 um the armed forces that went to build the nightingale hospitals were crew that built festivals because they're great at rigging and putting up other structures so they were the ones that were called for in those times through the crew association they're the ones that are linked to the music industry and if you don't support those self different inter the interconnectivity of the wider economy needs to be realized from all these aspects and that's why i i personally have been calling on a lot of things of the reevaluation of culture in the uk and the um, funding of it yeah and and um you know you're doing a lot of campaigning for uh local government and, and national government uh to make some some big changes funding etc how are you going to ensure uh that you still are the talent incubator of uh for, for local local musicians personally we can only do what we can do so so um, we will try and so be what, can, what and, yeah and what can you do everybody. I mean, I mean, we are reaching out to, to, to local artists all the time, seeing what we can do. I mean, we're, we're obviously keeping abreast of anything that we can. So only today, you know, Arts Council reopened their grassroots, supporting grassroots music uh, fund. Um, we will certainly be looking at that for the first time, you know, and putting in our first Arts Council application that we've done 
for a, a, an actual fund. We've never had one at the Broodnell Social Club. I would argue it's long overdue, you know, but we are going to explore that. We will look to, to get support from the COVID fund because it's okay opening as a, a, a large resistant pub, but where do we support that audio engineer that needs to go to make the span sound good? How are we going to replace the speakers next time if we've not got the backup of that? Uh, and the fact that, ingenuinely, alcohol goes to fuel the arts community, and that shouldn't be the case, or music particularly. And, and you know, economically, can we find better mechanisms of doing that? And it might be through VAT cuts within certain sectors. Where does the VAT actually lie? How should it go to support things? So, yes, I think that there's a, a much wider discussion to have and that we are keeping um, on board and looking at other revenue streams within that. Have you managed to create any other, other revenue streams so far? Um, the T-shirts? The is... No, not, not besides reopening as a pub. I think we've been very... Um, uh, you, you talk, sorry, you talk a lot about uh, merchandise and how that's uh, that really gives to the grassroots as well. So, so uh, I know I've asked what other revenue streams, but also you're really quite passionate about merchandise as well, aren't you? Yes, but I think that you've also got to realise that the customer uh, or the audience in your community only have so much money that they can give and that they can spend on stuff. So, you know, if we if we utilised one opportunity to support wider artists, I feel it's difficult to then go back and utilise something else. And we've been really, really um, standoffish from not asking for any crowdfunders or public support or anything like that because we feel that, you know, we've utilised the government furlough scheme up until the point that we can do. We've utilised, you know, we, we managed to get hold of uh, the government grant for hospitality, the 25000 So we got that to cover, you know, Standing charges, refuse, uh, other kind last, of things. I'm guessing it didn't last very, very long. long. No, no, but essentially that helped. So, so while we've got help like that, we're not. We don't feel that the audience that we have, they've got their own issues, and we feel that that's more important. And actually, that we feel a, a responsibility that that if we can do something to help that, then we will. But I think that, that we should, um, you know, look at it in a in a t in a tandem. And until that point comes, that we feel. We need to ask for help from the wider public, then we would happily do so. But I don't think it's the right time, and I don't think I think that we recognise that everyone's in a difficult position, and with potential, you know, layoffs and redundancies and other things, that 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 actually the wider community's got their own issues, and that, that that's important, and and that we're one part of that, and and that that you know we will try other things to generate income, like turning the car park and closing it off into a large distance pub that's safe and space apart and using an app to do that. So we've been quite entrepreneurial in that way and just looking at how we can do other things. But I think that it's now coming to the point where the sector's opening up a little bit. It might be that should we need to raise funds to... Uh, get a sound engineering screen do something on stage that's where we'll have to look at you know this arts council fund and other aspects that that we will need to support that so yes where where it, it's an everyday evolution of building blocks to get there to the next to the next stage of hopefully reopening fully again yeah
Um, uh, Richard uh, Mitchie's just said, uh, good to see you, Nathan. Um, yeah. Thanks for uh, joining us, Richard. Um, you've got uh, on your website, you've got uh, acts in September. Um, you, you and uh, onwards. Um, is there any realistic thoughts on when you might be reopening at all at this stage? For live music. For live, I meant that. Sorry, I meant that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, I, I think, I think that there is um, the, the the whole period of putting in shows is definitely very fluid right now, if that's the use of a term. Um, it will move when it needs to move. If an artist cannot play, we will find a new period that they can move into. We will find opportunities that they can move into and we will try and make sure because we realize that the artist, the manager, the agent hasn't earned any money during this period either. So the sooner we can get back, not only to ourselves restarting, but to supporting them, we will do. And yeah. um, so that period is not set. I think that we were looking initially from the government's and DCMS's output last week where they said the first for indoor events and like, like you know, that, that guidance doesn't really go for, for live music because of the, the, the several aspects. Um, the next stage five where he was saying we hopes it up in November before Christmas. Um, so I would look to hopefully this side of 2021, but that doesn't allow you to look at it in a, in a professional term that we can, get the tickets up, get the lead time, get people in to trust it. So I, I think there will be smaller, localised artists that um, we can do. It might have, sorry. Um, there, it might have been, it might have been, uh, uh, you know, localised artists in a local area that we can then work with because the instant being able to instantly work with them and find a day, you know, we can't work with international touring artists because getting them here, routing a tour around all the, all the venues, getting the marketing out there, encouraging people to come back again. This is about building people's affinity and trust into going back into music venues. And we've got to do that slowly. And if that's working with local artists in the first instance that we can get there and we can announce a show next week with somebody like Nick Artistic, then we can do that, you know, and they will have an instant audience. But getting getting people to believe that they are going to travel from uh, Manchester, Newcastle, Liverpool to watch a an artist that's coming from Mexico just isn't going to happen realistically in 2020. So you've got to look at, is that going to be in April, May, June, November next year? There are artists that we have booked into now into 2022 where it's got to it's just got to be realistic in the in the time frame the lead time of marketing and promo that we need to do with that the whole mechanism that goes with that um so we have to be realistic in that so i think 2020 for any form of big production is just not realistic do, do, do you think that do you need confidence to come back to the news or, or the way i see it is the, the sort of 50 percent you know, we're very happy. I, I, I'm feeling that at least fifty percent can't wait. That's not what the data says. So this is this is the other interesting thing. So as part of being on um, uh, two different things, 
the Association of Independent Promoters went out to its promoters that put on majority of the, the grassroots events in the UK. And we did a big survey uh, and of that part of survey, um, it, it comes back and it not only says that, you know, sorry, I'm going to step back on one thing. Music Venue trusted a public survey. We posted that out from the brood now, so did several others. 30,000 people responded to that survey. Wow. From, from now until October, I think it was in the first instance, only 16% of people said they wanted to come back. They are wow. the people that shout about it. It goes up wow. to 30-something percent in like August, September. And by October, November onwards, it goes up to like 70% that, that were encouraged about coming back. Now, in any business, even if you said, we're going to have a 24% drop-off, reflect it it's the other good. way and you go yeah, it's not good. not good yeah how can you how can you do that so so uh, you know looking at it and going oh 74 percent said they're going to come back that's great but economically it's a disaster um yeah. and then you look at it and you go okay then that's what we found from that move over to the and the and saying i'm only going to put on you know a third of the events i would have done because I don't want to take the financial risk either that I would have done before because of the potential losses that I've got. How can I get back there? So if you've got this twin thing with promoters not wanting to take the risk, audience not wanting to come out, you've got a much longer tail, uh, yeah. long, long tail effect of it that, that actually it is about building consumer confidence. It is about putting on those shows. It is about reinvestment. And it is about building overall sector confidence and that, the, you know, necessarily the ones that aren't talking about this and shouting about it are en masse. And what, 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 what we also have to same in the, in the hospitality trade, what we have to consider is what, what audience behavior has changed in this. Have they found other, other things that a gig go that might come to a gig twice a week? At various venues have they found something else that they go i might just go once every two weeks now because i really enjoy watching this or you know i've got involved in some other art form i've learned how to do gardening or something you've just got to look at it. or you know on a hospitality level restaurants you couldn't go out to eat in restaurants so you had to learn to cook at home those people who did that might have got a new new revitalization in in, in cooking uh, people who went to work and took, you know, and ate out sandwiches, have they uh, have they learned to make their own meals? What's the knock-on effect of the whole economy within COVID that's, that's a long-tail one of getting back there? And if people yeah. aren't even going to be working back in city centres and going to be distant working until January in a lot of cases, what's the overall economic? So, so for me, it's about not just saying August the 1st indoor events, not just saying November. It's like, where am I realistically looking? midway into 2021 when can we get full audiences not only when are we allowed to but when is audience perception going to come back to doing that yeah. and i think that's yeah. that's the that's the bigger conversation to have as well makes sense um yeah just to clarify you are open for business right now uh continuing to support uh local breweries you've got some uh new foods on the menu i think as well correct me if i'm wrong 
we, we've just brought the pies back here. Yeah, so we brought the pie minster pies back for the first time. It, it, we wanted to open in stages, not only to build confidence in, in customers, but allow our staff to ease into it and come back and use part-time furlough scheme and, and just try and build a level of understanding from us as a venue how we could work, how we could utilise outside space, how can we do this so that we can put the building blocks in that if that's the way it has to be for several months, we might as well do it and get it right, uh, not just open fully. I don't think you'd ever open a business without doing tests. So, you know, we yeah. wanted to do those incremental steps. And and same with business hours, you know, opening till nine o'clock and then 10 o'clock and then 11 o'clock and just trying to do it so that everyone feels confidence from from staff to, to, to customers across the board. Where, where are you going to be celebrating this evening when they lift the cup? Oh, it, 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 in the brood now, you know, I'm watching <laughs> myself on my season ticket stream myself, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be having a good time. We had a, we had a, we had a pretend cup. We had the square ball guys around here and we got a 1972 billiard trophy that looks quite big. Um, and, and we had that out and everyone was parading around with it, uh, on Sunday, uh, just around the brood now, you know, we, we didn't go to the centre. We had our own little small, small gathering and, and it was great. You've been listening to yeah, the Johnny Ross audio experience. Thanks so much for joining me. Now, if you it? want to continue the conversation, yeah, yeah. head over to my like website, fleek.marketing, responsible find social me on LinkedIn. Event. That just was That's all for today. Like Please now. subscribe wherever great. you listen yeah, to great. podcasts. Yeah. Tag me in your social media posts. And please leave me a review on iTunes. Yeah, it will make a huge uh, Nathan, you've been absolutely fascinating. See you soon. Uh, thank you so much for taking part in Um, and uh, and yeah, good luck with getting live events going. Is uh, um, you know I, I, already there's some amazing names on for for next year, so uh, so it's brilliant. Uh, but yeah, thanks thanks for uh, joining us. No worries, thank you as well. Thanks for for good interesting chat. Pleasure. Uh, if you've been watching and uh, you want to uh, see more, join us in the Facebook group, the Coronavirus Yorkshire Business Support Group. Please like, share, and comment on this, and uh, we'll see you again in the future. Take care.